Everybody? How are we doing? Good, good. Well, before we dive into the scripture, we do have a couple of announcements for today. Today is Baptism Sunday. So after the second service, we're going to have our, our baptism service down at Moore Reservoir. There are maps because it's at Waterford Landing, so there are maps out there of how to get there if you're not familiar with that. Second service ends around noon, so then we got to travel from here and get ready, or some people have to pick up their stuff. So probably around 1230, we'll start to gather down there, 1245 or so, have the, the baptism, and really looking forward to that. We've got uh, three people who are on the list, excited to uh, participate in a baptism in that celebration today, and then have the picnic as a family. So if you're able to join us, we, uh, we encourage you to join us in that uh, afterwards. I always want to mention, you know, there are ways to serve and give at Faith Bible Church, and uh, we're doing communion later on. This is why we're I'm mentioning these things ahead of time, so we can do communion at the wrap-up. But uh, box in the back for, for giving towards the ministry or online options as well. Um, so we're going to be in Jeremiah 29 this morning. And before we get there, I just want to also offer a prayer before we, we dive into the Word. Uh, Lord Jesus, we come to you today. Uh, you are our Savior. You are our Lord. As we sang, Lord, you are our defense. You are, you are the one who is the ruler of this, this world and, and the king, proclaimed king uh, because of your work on the cross and, and the, uh, the salvation that you have offered us. And so, Lord, we do want to come today and, and focus on, on you to, to, to hear what you have to tell us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would, would move in the service in our hearts and our minds, that we'd be ready to, to continue to grow in our, our faith and our relationship with you and with one another. Pray, Lord, that you would teach us your truth from the scriptures, that you would give us encouragement and also challenge. Uh, Lord, we, we don't want to just stay stuck. We want to continue to grow and, and uh, draw closer to you and, and one another in our faith and, and have a faith that's growing and alive and active, Lord. So I pray, Lord, all these things in your precious name. Amen. So as I was getting ready this morning, I put on, put on my shirt and I was thinking, golly, you know what? I'm either dressed for a movie today, or, or dress for Easter, because my mom used to dress me all in pink in Easter when I was itty-bitty. Tell you what, this is a trauma growing up for me. Um, we would have Easter services, and it was, we'd wear pink. All her little boys would be in pink shirts and stuff like that. It was only until a couple of years ago that I could actually wear a pink shirt to church yeah. <laughs> because, of, because of that. Anyway, you know, parenting, you know, we want to... We want to see our kids thrive. We want to see our kids grow, right? If you're a parent um, or a grandparent or if you take care of kiddos um, and uh, you're, you're just part of that world, we want to see kids grow and thrive. It, it thrills us when they find their place, when they really dig in and like, oh, you found your space. This is your spot. You're doing well. You know, we're, okay, you, you work through seasons, you know, our family, we've talked about the seasons we're going through as, as kids are starting to leave the home, and, and now seeing them, oh gosh, yeah, this, this looks right, and we get, we love seeing that our kids are happy, and that they're feeling good about themselves, and that they're thriving in this world, and, and we often say, you know, we just want them to do better than we were doing, right? We just wanted to do better, have more advantages, uh, you know, uh, all that stuff, all that stuff. We're talking about exile and focusing on the nation of Israel in exile, but how it relates to the church, always how 
their experience then relates to us. And this is God's people, and they are not feeling very good about themselves at this point in time. They're off in a foreign land. We, we dived into some of this. We, we dove into why last week. Um, they are not feeling like they're close to God. They're not in their homes. They're, they're not where they want to be. They're, they're experiencing trials and tribulation. They, they were in a position where at this point in time during the exile, they're not feeling like they're, they're experiencing those promises of God. Right? God had given them great promises. And he said, we're covenanting together. We're going to do this covenant together. Um, and uh, they were in a position where not, they were not feeling those promises. In fact, the people were probably experiencing great trauma. Okay? Think, think about their experience. Think about their experience. They've got the nation, the, the, the empire of Babylon coming in. And we read in the, the scriptures, in the history of the people, that when Babylon came in, they, they killed people. They killed some of God's people. They, they killed them in the temple. Imagine the pain and the stress and the trauma that comes from seeing brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers killed in your sacred space, killed in your sacred space. They experienced the, the burning down of their homes. It got to a point where Babylon's like, we're, just, we're done. We're coming in, man. We're, we're sweeping through. It says they, they burn down their homes, burn down their homes. They, they, they brought absolute destruction to their capital city of Jerusalem, tore the temple down. That the thing that they identified with as their connection to their God, the Creator God, you imagine that. We don't have something like this that, that's our identity. Like, you know, we can say, oh, if it came down and burned down a church, it still wasn't the same. Still wasn't the same. This, this was their, this, this, their, their national identity, their connection with, with God was, was, was uh, based on this temple and the temple system, and it's brought to the ground as well. In modern day terms, if we were looking at this group of people, uh, we may call them somewhat like refugees. So if you think about what it means to be a refugee or someone who's taken away into captivity, prisoners, prisoners of war in a captivity, this is a recipe for PTSD. It's a modern term. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. This is the kind of stuff that the nation of Israel would have experienced, all right? Um, this was a traumatic experience. We look back, we are, we are very far removed from that history. And even from our point of view, it's like, well, yep, wars come, wars go, people come in, sweep in, people, you know, whatever. You know, we, we see this throughout history. We've probably never experienced this ourselves, so we feel kind of far removed from this, but you just kind of sit in the shoes of a, a people who is, is called for the world, called God's people, God's chosen nation. And this is what's happening. This is what the world is seeing about God's people. Just sit in, sit in the experience, the pain of that. And yes, we have that. Would we be able, would we be able to withstand and... and experience and, and live in that. That's, that's pretty traumatic. Trauma, trauma itself 
as you experience traumatic events, and especially very, very traumatic events, whether abuse or whatever it may be, it literally changes the way the brain functions. Literally rewires our brains when we have those traumatic experiences and rewires the way we think and process and associate the past with our present and the future and our thinking. I mean, I know Austin's done a bunch of work on this because of his mental health coaching. I see a couple other people here who have done that as well. And, and sometimes we neglect that. Sometimes we, we, like, we, we don't understand that, but actually our, our brains in this kind of experience changes. And it changes the way then that we interact with other people. It changes the way that we interact with ourselves. It maybe changes the way that we even interact or see God and who God is in our lives. This, this verse has as, as been looking at, at trauma specific over the last two years, and not trauma in my life, but just the study of trauma as it re- uh, reflects on, on people who've experienced it. This verse, Romans 12, 2, just has a, a new meaning for me. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. God wants our minds to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be restored. And the, the people who are in this place, God's people within this exile situation, whew, they were experiencing all of this as they're taken away from their homes. This, this wasn't just like, oh, hey, Babylon, hey, we're, we took over you guys. Hey, we're going to relocate you here. And, and No, 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 no. What does that mean? You're slaves. You have no rights. You have no say. Everything that you're able to do over here, you, you, you can't go to your temple, and you're going to be in this space, and, and guess what? In Babylon, temple on every street corner, and they're not praising God, the creator God. They're praising a lot of other deities, and so what would they have experienced? They, what would that have been like for them to, to go from their system and way of living and, and under the laws of, of God and, and the promises of God to then in a, a totally different place that didn't match their expectations, what their desires, all of that stuff? You know, you can imagine maybe the exposure to all of those pagan temples, and Israel itself, yep, they had a history of like dabbling and pulling in other gods and, and worship. And, and so uh, some of that wasn't foreign to them. But now you're in a place where this is all there is. None of this is what we're supposed to worship or bow down to. Foreign foods. We know that in the, within the law, they had strict dietary restrictions and things. And you go to another place and it's like, well, we can't even buy food that matches what we would have to do in order to partake and eat and and then of course the laws and the culture are so different from what they were called to live by and experience and i can imagine jeremiah is writing to the time when they're they're off in captivity he's speaking to the groups that are off in captivity god's bringing a word to these people a word of of hope to continue to connect with his people because god doesn't leave his people alone. God, it looks like it, but God never leaves or stops keeping track of his people and reaching out to his people and bringing promises and hope to his people. And we're going to look at that message 
today. And this is what the Lord speaks through Jeremiah. I appreciate Ron reading this. It says, the Lord, this is what the Lord of armies, and this is going to be small. You may not be able to read this, so I encourage you to get to Jeremiah 29 in, your, in the Bible if you can. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. And these are the things that we want to focus on today. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, and when it thrives, you will thrive. Why does God give these words, I think? Why does God give these words? Because when we are scared, when we feel like we're in danger, when we're just even in the midst of change and we don't like it, what is our natural response? Our natural response, according to how our brain works, is either fight or flight. Anybody hear of those experiences where we go to, how do you, when you're under stress, what do you do? It's either fight or flight. We're like either attack, all right, or man, I'm retreating. I'm retreating. My natural tendency is to retreat. I don't know if you guys probably kind of know or, or figured out where you guys go. Do you naturally come out, oh man, I don't like this, and rah, I'm going to come out full guns blazing, or do we go in isolation? This is our natural response. I can imagine the people of God who are in exile, having a very stressful time, not understanding, thinking that God forsake, forsook them. It, all of these things are swirling around, and what are they going to naturally do? They may actually want to either fight and press in or totally retreat and isolate. And God says, wait, wait, I, I've got instructions for you. I've got work for you to do. Live life. Live life. Bring virtue and worth to this new space. Bring virtue and worth within this new space. He, he says, build the houses. Build the houses. What does that mean? Fit into your community. Recognize the community that you're a part of and, and get into that space. You know, I think he's like, you know, this, it's like you may be scattered all over the place and your neighbors may not be the neighbors that you want, but there's still something about a connection with them. Why? Because you're God's people, and you're going to show these other people what it means to actually be God's people and to act and live like God's people. Plant gardens. You, if you look at this stuff, you look at this stuff, some of these things tie back directly to the creation mandate when God created image bearers, right? He created Adam and Eve as his image bearers, and he told them to do what? Then multiply. Well, we got that one. Create families. Don't decrease. Plant gardens. Cultivate. Be productive. That goes back to the beginning as well. God just kind of keeps circling us back to the beginning. Do you remember what you're supposed to be doing? As image bearers of God, do you remember what you're supposed to be doing? Do you remember what you're supposed to be doing? Remember what you're Build. Cultivate. Produce families. Value humanity, produce the, or pursue the well-being of your city, contribute, contribute to its greater good. And God's telling that to a people who were in a place that had just conquered and killed and taken all of their stuff. 
So you got someone who comes in. I, if you've ever had you know, someone robbed your home, I hope not, but I've, I've never had this experience. But someone I can imagine coming in and, and robbing your house, taking your stuff, and then God says to you, you know what? You're going to actually go pray for them. And not in a way that like is like condemning them, but hey, pray for them. And actually, it looks like they may need more money, and so I want you to actually help them along in that. They may be struggling, and, and they may have acted out of desperation, so I want you to actually help. I mean, that's the kind of thing. These guys just robbed our house and put us in a different house because they burned it down, and now we're neighbors with them, and God says, hey, contribute still to the greater good. Look at the greater good of the city. Pray to the Lord for its prosperity. Seek for God's blessing for those, those you like and those you don't like or you disagree with or those who have harmed you. I think if we just would stop, and maybe some of you are like, oh, thank God, you know, stop today. Uh, but if we just went to that and said, okay, if we're comparing the church as a, a, a people in exile, because we don't fit in this place, because this is not, this, this is not God's kingdom, we're, right? We're looking ahead towards God's kingdom, feeling like we're already part of God's kingdom, therefore we should start acting and living like God's people. And we just look at this list. This is a great starting point. Are we building in? Are we, are we uh, productive? Are we pursuing the well-being for, for those around us? Are we praying for the people who are like us? And those who also aren't like us and maybe have harmed and hurt us in the past. And what is this going to look like? I'm not going to come out here and say, well, this is what it's going to look like. Because it's going to vary. It's going to vary with every single individual in this place. There are some things that we'll do as a church body. And we've tried to, tried to identify some of these things that we can do to actually build, 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 value people, uh, build up our city, you know, feed into our city. And there's cer- certain things that we'll do as a greater body here because we want all the resources. We, we know we can all feed into that. There's also things that we're each going to be called to do on our own. Because I don't live in your house. You don't live in my house, right? You're not in my neighborhood. I'm not in your neighborhood necessarily. One of the things I did a couple of years ago is we moved into a neighborhood and it's got an HOA kind of thing. It's like never lived in an HOA sort of neighborhood. And uh, a couple of years ago, I uh, was able to join the HOA board. Because you know why? We, we live in a place in a neighborhood and it's like a lot of the North Country where we, we sort of get isolated, don't we? Especially seasonally. When we first moved up here from the South, in the South, it was like, man, you see everybody all the time, Right? The classic sitting on the porch all the time kind of thing. Well, we noticed when we got up here that, you know, in the summer and in the, in the spring and summer, it's like, oh, you start seeing people. But then you start realizing, well, now, now we're all traveling away from here because we're so sick. Or we've got all these activities that we do because it's like, man, this is our chance. And so there's connection, but there's still not quite connection. Then when winter comes, what, is ha- what happens? Well, this area sort of shuts down except for the skiers, uh, you know, and, and, and not being a skier, I, I feel the shutdown. We noticed that when we moved here, it's like, well, you know, our neighbor, we don't see her for six months, literally. Unless I'm shoveling the driveway, she's shoveling or whatever, and we say hi and connect, or the one across the street, we notice, like, we don't connect all the time. It's, this is different. And so I, I, I joined the HOA board, and, and uh, just to kind of, I just, I know these are not believers for the most part. Um, in fact, I think it's like, I think I'm like one of the only Christians in the neighborhood kind of thing. And it's like, how can I meet people, especially in my neighborhood, and connect with them? 
right? And, and, and not to like, well, every board meeting, I'm saying, Jesus, you know, I'm preaching, you know, kind of thing. But it's like, hey, building relationship. Build, there's ways we can build relationships. We often talk and we get excited about church projects that we can do together, and that's great. That's fantastic. We have certain things throughout the year that we want to do and, and show people that we love the neighborhood. Uh, but I've been challenged recently. You know what? We also need to do projects that aren't based here. Get involved in community efforts that aren't based here. Because you know why? The people that don't come here will be a part of that. And we get to, as God's exiled people in this area, people who, who are part of a different kingdom and want to be God's people and show His love, those are the spaces that we may get to do that in. And so maybe we need to look outside and grab on to those community project, those service areas, and say, you know what? This is valuable because it brings, brings prosperity to our neighborhoods in our, our city, as God is called in Jeremiah. Look towards the well-being of the place I put you in. God's basically saying, continue to work. Continue to work as those who are made in God's image should work. Continue to model as God's image bearers. Continue to model what it means to be an image bearer of God and what that looks like. You know what's not on this list? As we make our way through this list, sitting on our hands. God doesn't say, okay, I got 70 years for you. Sit on the side. Just wait it out. Just wait it out. It's, it's like your timeout, right? The classic, hey, this happened. I'm putting you in timeout. It's going to be 70 years. Whew, that seems a little extreme. It's going to be 70 years. You just sit off in the corner kind of thing and, and just wait for your time. That's not what God brings to him at all. He says, I know you feel like you're separated, but there's still work to be done. There's still connection to be made. The other thing he says, excuse me, he doesn't say on this list is rebellion. Especially under the banner of God's name. He doesn't tell them, hey, you're going to get there and you're going to focus on those petitions and the protests. He says, that's not included in this kind of thing. He says, no, you know, you're going you're gonna to get there and, you know, you're going you're gonna to act kind of nice, so people kind of begin to trust you, and then, but you're going to be stockpiling the stuff on the side, so that when the time comes, man, we're ready to go guns blazing in this thing. He also doesn't say, he also doesn't tell, try to make Babylon into Israel. That's not one of his commands to his people. Now, we know because of their influence within Babylon in that area, there were people who recognized God as the creator God. There were people who asked questions about God. We, we see this in the story of Jesus. Those three kings who come to sit after the birth of Jesus, where'd they come from? They come from the Babylon area. They had heard the Jewish people had, had talked and shared and, and, and laid out the promises and the hopes that they had in the future and the Messiah and they, they, they pray, you know, all that stuff. And those pagan kings recognized. We see the sign. Oh my goodness. That promised king who this people was talking about way back when, we're connecting the dots and the world will see. 
Why, why don't we have to like sit on the hands or why don't we have to like come out in, in rebellion or, 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 or fighting for that stuff? It's because God's like, you're my people. I've got this covered. And sometimes we're pretty quick to try to fight God's battles when God says, wait, I'm the one who's going to fight the battle, right? I'm, I've got you covered. I got you covered in this. You don't have to worry about this because I'm going to lay out the plans, and, and, and it says build and plant and create and pursue prosperity of the, the country. And, you know, and the opposites of it, instead of building the homes, it's going into isolation. You're right, you got a home, but don't talk to anybody. Just sit. Plant gardens. It's productive. There's be a tendency when you're hurt or stressed or in this kind of trauma just to, to sit back and be unproductive or to sit in self-pity and just sit in your doubts and your questions. God says, no, just get your hands dirty, work the fields, produce, produce, be productive, create families. There's a tendency when we're hurt, though, to break relationships instead. Pursue the prosperity of your city, but there's a tendency when we're hurt or we experience trauma to really isolate, especially if you're one of those flight people like me in a stressful situation, to isolate and kind of, oh, worry about me, 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 me. God says, don't just look out for your own interests. Pray for the Lord's prosperity in this place. The opposite is that is cry out for his destruction. Cry out for his destruction. And he says, when you are a good citizen, it will go well for you, and you will thrive as well. You will thrive as well. And productivity, this is, this is not, you know, doing these things is not to gain God's favor or, or worth in his eyes because he's, he says, I've already got this mapped out in verse 10, for this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will tend to you. I will confirm my promises concerning you to restore you to this place, restore you back. To your home. I've got this covered. I've got this mapped out. I'm asking you to do this while I'm doing this. Productivity, being good citizens, living in this, this foreign land that, that, that doesn't fit with who you are, is based on recognizing that you're still God's people. And he has you firmly in hand. Being productive citizens shows, shows other people what it means to be image bearers of God. What it means to, to follow God. It, 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 models, it models tolerance, which is a, a negative word today, but it models tolerance, meaning that, you know what? There are so many things that I don't agree with or I disagree with, and it'd be so easy to cut myself off from all of these things. But you know what? We can live together. We can live together. And God is so good. They, they weren't feeling God's goodness at times. So where are you, God? What, what is going on? But back in, when, when they were giving, given the law in Deuteronomy, it says, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them, other people, other nations. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. As true back then, 
You see God still reaching out. It looks like it looks like we're separated, but we're not. I'm still watching. I've still got a plan. I'm still going to restore. I'm still going to bring you back. God is so good, but this can be difficult work. This can be difficult work. And not only do we have ourselves to like our own internal stuff when we're under stress and we're struggling and, and our minds are like ah, kind of going nuts trying to figure out and process what we're, what we're going through and we're like either ah, lashing out or we're like isolating. You know, those, those are the ways that we respond. He says, watch out for the traps. There will be people who try to help you by telling you what you want to hear to draw you in by telling you what you want to hear. They are not for me, God says. He says in verse 8, Jeremiah 29, verse 8, for this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says, don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. In a time of stress, in a time of flux, in a time of change, what happens? People, I'll say people can creep in. Say, oh, there's a hole here. People are clamoring. And they're, they're, whatever the issue may be, I'm going to grab onto that. I'm going to feed into that. This is what they want to hear. I'm going to give them what they want to hear. And it says false prophets are going to come and they're going to speak a different word to you. Notice whose God says it's the false prophets. What is a false prophet? It's one that you think would be a trusted voice. One who claims to speak for God, but they don't actually have a word from God. They don't have a word from God to speak to the people, then they're false. They're actually just someone who's sitting in a, a self-proclaimed title, Right? They're coming out of a self-proclaimed title. People who are, are ultimately wanting to build a little kingdom for themselves. The implication is that God's telling them, hey, they're telling you something that goes against what I have spoken, what I have asked you to do. They may be the ones where God's saying, hey, build those homes, plant your gardens, be productive. And they're like, hey, man, just get rid of it. You know, attack your neighbor hate your neighbor, right? They took us into captivity. Eh, we're not working. We're not going to produce. Live at peace with your community. They're just like, no, we're ready to attack. You guys get ready to attack. They're, they'd be giving that, that kind of message to God's people, giving messages against God's instructions, giving messages that build their own audience, their own recognition their, their own for their own purposes giving messages that speak to what people want to hear instead of what they need to hear and the instruction that you want to hear may not lead to growth or good citizenship hmm. Resting and finding our identities and purposes in God brings us freedom, I hope. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, For we do not have an enduring city here. This is speaking to his church. Instead, we seek the one to come while we live here. Our eyes are on the future. Therefore, we can live in the present. 
as God's people. And this is a group of people, they're, they're suffering from trauma. More than likely, they are not working in their highest capacity. See, trauma, again, does something to us. Traumatic experiences do something to us. And in science, it shows that, you know, when we are, are operating or are working in that, we're, we're working in the lowest part of our brain, the brainstem. Brainstem, neocortex, cortex. That's not going to be on the test, la- test later, so you don't have to remember that. Um, but what we tend to do is in a traumatic experience or with change or with something we're struggling with, we, we tend to operate down here, which is just in survival mode. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to survive. I'm trying to process. This seems bad to me. I'm trying to process. And actually then, that doesn't actually move up to the higher level of our thought process. We're often not, ta- we're not, we're not actually to, able to rationally process through what, what may be happening to us. And so trauma seeks to destroy community. It, wor- it, it keeps us from working in our highest capacity if we're, we're not seeking help. It's, it gives us that fight-or-flight mentality, either the man lash out and attack or, or isolate in our shell kind of thing. And even, even without, you may be saying, well, I've never experienced trauma. I know there are people here who have experienced trauma. Even if you said, I'm, I'm not experienced trauma at that kind of level, even, even without that we, we often operate not in that highest capacity. Ever have the experience of going off on someone because you're stressed? Scientists say that we're working the lizard brain. <laughs> so the lizard brain is just the, the instinct part. Can you imagine the needs that, that these people had to remi- be reminded of hope because they saw no hope, to be reminded of, to stay in community with one another because this was going to help bring them through. You feel that when, when you we get stressed and you get isolated and you start to like distance yourself from people, does that help your situation at all? Have you ever distanced yourself from somebody or a situation because you, you're, you're experiencing whatever stress it may be, but then you, you kind of lean in a little bit and share, or they share with you, and you're sort of like, oh, man, that was fantastic. That actually helped me process through what I've been going through. Ever have that experience, going from an isolation to actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get into this community thing and, and, and have them help me process this, and there can be a release in that, a release in that. God works through that, God's saying, stay together, stay focused. I'm bringing you hope, and it requires commitment. It requires communication with one another. It requires humility with one another. Mm. People in a foreign land, maybe if you, people who are experiencing this kind of situation, I would say even in our modern-day church, where it feels like we are now in a very, very foreign land. Do you feel this? Does it feel like, wow, things have radically changed within the last two years? It feels like I'm in a foreign land. Again, people and say in a foreign land will drift towards isolation and separation from each other. We start to focus on our own problems and we, we miss sort of that, that either that community connection or we miss 
being a part of building into that community. I think we're going through this as churches. I'm not, not saying Faith Bible Church alone. I'm just thinking churches, we're going through this. They say that about every 500 years, the church experiences an upheaval and a change and sort of a breaking away and then sort of almost rebuilding. What happened five years, 500 years ago? The Reformation. We're due for that. We're actually, we're due. If you look historically, it was like we're due for that. And it feels like this is happening. It feels like this is happening because of what's happening in our country, in our culture, and also because of what's happening within, I'll say, the greater church. It feels like we're in this time of turmoil and disruption. And we can be honest about it and then say, what do we do? Or we can try to push ourselves away from that and say, I'm just, we're gonna, we're, let's just go back in our shell and we're just going to wait till this all pans out and, 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 and hopefully, 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 hopefully it'll go back to the way it was. Churches are feeling stress. Churches are feeling stress. I see this all over the place. Leaders are feeling stress. Churches are feeling stress. They're becoming more divided as we feel that stress because, again, what do we do? Under stress, we attack or we withdraw. And we see this happening. I think we're coming to a time, a point in time, where unity is going to be essential. And you say, wait, wait, haven't we always needed? Yes, we've always needed that. But we've lived in a space where we could have unity and it was pretty easy because the culture sort of aligned with what we wanted to do and you know, we had that influence. All that stuff was swirling around. It just kind of felt like, hey, this is sort of easy. And if you work in, in church work, it's like, no, we know this is not easy, but it just feels, it felt easy. And we, we could, a church could grow because someone else suffered and, and people came over and then we suffered and then, oh, another church grew because people went, you know, that, that's what we did. We did. And there's a, there was a sense of unity, but uh, kind of surface unity. I think we're coming to a point in time where, where the church is going to need to dig deep in the unity, not agreement with everybody, you know, we, we, I could ask a question here and say, what's your opinion? And there's, you know, 50 people here. It's like, well, get 50 different responses. But unity and in, in love for Jesus and love for what he's doing with us in the world. Man, we are the odd man out now. We have to take a different position as the odd man out. It means we may have to do things differently because we're the odd man out. Talking with um, pastor from Crossroads, new pastor from Crossroads, love that man. He's great. And we've never had this sense of church unity within this area. It was always easy to, well, we do this and we do this and we do this. And he and I are like, Pastor Todd, he and I are like, man, we've got to figure out how to do this together. And so we're talking about that. How does, how does a Crossroads and Faith Bible Church present to the community this, this unity as the body of Christ? You may be hearing more about that. I know they're going to be hearing more about that in the future. It's like, oh, that, that excites me. That excites me. 
It's going to require stripping away the non-essentials. Churches have always been able to sort of go back to the creeds or the faith statements, right? You, something happens and like, no, we're just, going to, we're just going to get back to this. We're going to focus on this. Being an evangelical, we've never really had creeds or faith statements, right? It's pretty, pretty independent, pretty independent. I'll tell you what, me personally, over the last few years, confessions of a pastor, I've wanted to rip off, reject, and get rid of the evangelical label because there's a lot of baggage that's tied to it. But I go back historically to when it started and say, okay, if I can get away from all this nuttiness that is happening right now to what historically it started as a movement, it's like, yes, again, it's like a yes, we can grab on to that because it's simple. It's based on Jesus and the cross. It's based on the authority of the scriptures. It's based on a a, a conversion, uh, coming to faith, a personal conversion and a corporate identity. It's it's, It's based on activism, both evangelistic and social. And those are the, the four pillars of the evangelical world that where it started. It's like if we grab on to just the bay, yes, yes, we can rally around that. Mm. This is a stressful time. These people were experiencing a very stressful time. And they needed to be intentional. They need to be united. They need to be on mission for what God was telling them to do. And they were, like them, we are called God's people. Ephesians 1, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. We've been given a place We've been given promises. We've been given a purpose. We've been invited in to walk in God's special plan because of our special position as his children. And we've been able to, we've been given this job together. We've been given this job together. And Jeremiah concludes in this section. He starts off with a very famous verse. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration, he says. I got a homework assignment for us. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to go into great detail. I'm going to just summarize this. As we're looking at the prophets and how it relates to the church and the exile, how it relates to the church, this week, as a body, what if we went to the book of Daniel? And we all said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to read the book of Daniel. It's only like 12 chapters. We're going to look at the book of Daniel because Daniel lived in this situation. Daniel's an example of what it means to live in this situation. And he had influence, he had respect, he, he showed respect, he had integrity, he had character, he was faithful in prayer, not only for himself, but for his people. He walked in humility, and he had an unyielding trust in God. I wanted to do a preaching section on Daniel. I was like, whoop, yep, that's not going to happen <laughs> today. So I said, this is, this is what we do. How about we go to Daniel this week and we read Daniel's story 
looking for how he interacted and worked in this foreign culture that should have been totally against him, but he, he was able to do God's work. He found his place in there. Okay, so not as long as I wanted, but as I said in this message, you know, this, this is a time for the church to renew its commitment in, into unity and love and respect and working together as the body of Christ. I, I, we don't, we've not done a little corporate prayer in a little while. I'd like to do some corporate prayer. I'd like to open this up for us to cry out to God. God, give us these things. Show us how to walk in these things. Show us when we screw up. Show us how to come back in to this. Can, can we do that? Can we spend some, some time right now? Just, if you're not comfortable praying out loud, pray, pray, pray to the Lord. But those who are comfortable, let's, let's rally around this idea of, of unity. And also, unity in working towards what God has, worked us, has asked us to work towards.